Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, I want to turn our attention to the first reading we have this morning, again from the Acts of the Apostles, this awesome story of Paul and Silas, this jailbreak that happens. So they're jailed. Why are they jailed? Luke tells us in, uh, earlier in the Acts of the Apostles, he says that the charge given to the magistrates is that these two men are advocating, he says, advocating customs which were unlawful for Romans to accept or practice. What customs? What were they doing that was so awful? They were refusing to worship the Roman pantheon, and specifically the, the local city gods. That was not only just like religiously problematic, it was socially, culturally, in every way problematic. Because the fate of the, like the welfare of the city, the welfare of the state, the welfare of the empire was tied to public cult and worship, right? So if you got these people who are refusing to worship the gods, refusing to make sacrifices, put little incense on the altar to Zeus or whatever, like that's dangerous, that, that's foreboding for the city, that's bad for the people. So they were a threat. That, those were the customs that they were advocating. Don't do that, right? So they're punished. How are they punished? It's actually horrible. Like, I was, I paused. Like, so often we just, like, you know, move through these lines pretty quickly in the scriptures. They're stripped of their clothing. Anybody want to experience that today? No? Okay, me neither. Stripped of their clothing and beaten with rods. Like, this isn't just, like, like grandma with a switch, like, whoosh, like, because you didn't listen. These are like grown soldiers beating them with rods. I mean, the unimaginable pain. And how often this happened. Imagine their bodies. Like, there's no ibuprofen in the ancient world. There's no, there's no like, aspirin to bring down the pain. It's just, ow, right? They're just in pain. And then they're thrown into the deep darkness of a Roman prison cell, shackles around their ankles. Now, okay, put yourself there for a moment. You've been beaten, you've been arrested, you're thrown into prison, there's no warmth, there's no light, there's no blanket, no pillow, nothing. There's no laws on the books that dictate the kind of humane treatment for prisoners, right? There's none of that. What are you feeling in that moment? What kind of headspace are you in in that moment? If it's me we're talking about, it's not a good place. <laughs> I'm in a pretty despairing place if that's me. But where are Paul and Silas? They're praying, it says, they're praying and singing hymns to God. I'd like to think I would do that. I don't know if I would. But they're praying and they're singing hymns to God. This is something I find so amazing. And you see it over and over again in the accounts of, of the stories of martyrs, right? So often the martyrs, they go to their deaths singing, right? The story of the Japanese martyrs being crucified. What are they doing? They're on the cross singing the Te Deum. Or martyrs being drawn out or led to the place of their beheading and they're singing the Ave Mari Stella, right? That's like a supernatural grace to be sure, right? There's a supernatural joy that resurrection life fills the soul when we're thrown into this crucible of suffering. I found myself just praying like, Jesus, I want to sing in my suffering to you. Like, not lament. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to vent or complain. 
I'd love for you to complete this work of redemption and transformation in my soul to the point that I sing in my suffering. And I want to pray out loud, like Paul and Silas pray out loud, because it's not just for them. There was impact on all the other prisoners. I noticed this little line that struck me so much. Luke says, after he says that they were praying and singing hymns to God, he says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. They were listening to them. Like choosing joy, right, in the midst of suffering, choosing to sing in our suffering, if you will, is baffling to a world that doesn't know Jesus. It doesn't make sense to a world that doesn't know resurrection. It doesn't make sense to a world that operates in this zero-sum game of, like, kill or be killed. Like, that's the world that we live in. And the fact that people sing in the midst of suffering... It doesn't make sense. Like the thief who was on the, one, on the left side of Jesus on the cross, cursing him, ridiculing him when he was forgiving those who were killing them. Right? Friends, there's, like, there's eyes upon us as Christians. The world watches how Christians behave because when suffering shows up, if we act, if we respond in the exact same way as the rest of the world then the rest of the world is going to think, see, there, there's nothing to this Jesus thing after all. See, they're just afraid like we're afraid. They want revenge just like we want revenge. They're out for blood just like we're out for blood. They don't forgive like we don't forgive. They're terrified like we're terrified. But if we sing in the midst of suffering, right, if we choose joy, then we're going to give evidence to a life that isn't conditioned by the prison bars of this fallen world, right? So like as a response to their worship, as a response to their worship, the ground shakes, Luke says, the ground shakes. And it says all the doors of the prison are open and that everyone's fetters were unfastened. Notice that it wasn't just the prison bars or the prison door of like Paul and Silas's cell and their fetters around their ankles. It was all the doors in the entire prison and all the fetters on all the other prisoners' ankles. It was all of them. What does this tell us? Something really significant. That our worship is meant to set other people free. Our worship is meant to set other people free. Jesus said, for freedom's sake, I set you free, right? He came to set captives free. That was his inaugural sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth, right? He unrolls a scroll from Isaiah. I've come to set the captives free, he says, right? Free from what? Not just oppressive, earthly, worldly powers, but free from the tyranny of death, free from the fear of death, free from this fear of operating in this zero-sum game, the fear of not making it, the fear of not counting, the fear of losing love, the fear of being disqualified, right? He sets us free from like, the motivating pressure of all the world's fears. He sets us free from that. Like, it's the freedom of a child knowing that she's safe because she's loved. The freedom of a little girl just dancing because she knows she's loved. That's the freedom he gives us. Our worship is meant to do that for other people. Like, our way of being is meant to do that for others. And notice how the guard responds, right? Immediately, when he sees the prison doors open, he immediately concludes, well, of course, 
they operate just like the rest of the world operates. I'm sure they just bolted out of there as soon as they had the first chance. And so knowing that because he failed at his post, he's going to be executed. He's like, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. He gets his sword. He's ready to dispatch himself. And Paul cries out, no, no, do no harm to yourself. And then he says, we are all here. I think that's fascinating. He doesn't say Paul, like he doesn't say Silas and I are here. He says, we are all here. In other words, like at some point along the way, all these other prisoners listening to Paul and Silas pray and sing, all these other prisoners, at some point they, they caught it, if you will. They got the good infection of the gospel, if you will. They, they, were, they picked up what they were putting down, what, what Paul and Silas were exuding, this freedom, this joy in the midst of suffering. These other prisoners picked up on that. Like, they, they didn't run out. They didn't rush out as soon as the prison doors were opened to find freedom because they had already found freedom in the prison. And that's exactly what the guard begs of them. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to have that? Like, whatever this is that keeps, like, prisoners just comfortably sitting in a prison cell with the ability to run free, whatever kind of freedom you have, I want that, is what the guard says. What must I do to have what you have? That should be the question, friends, that right there. That should be the question that our life elicits in other people? That should be the question. We've got to pray and sing from the midst of suffering. And when we do that, when we do that, you and I, we're going to set the prisoners free. Amen.